AM790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Well, and hello, 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 everyone out there, and I hope you are enjoying this beautiful weather. We've got a great show for you today. You are um, being welcomed to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I am your host, and I am here with my co-host, the artistic director and executive director uh, of Waterfire, Barnaby Evans. Hi, Barnaby. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well. In fact, uh, we have uh, some special guests that I have a surprise that I just thought of that we'll come up with. Uh, That's the problem. Uh, you get me in the studio, we start getting creative. Hey, <laughs> just in the studio, Barnaby? Yeah, right. Is that really where yeah, it happens? Right. No. <laughs> um, well, anyway, welcome to um, your one-hour talk show, and we're talking about all great things happening in Rhode Island, some things about water fire, some things in Rhode Island, everything that's interconnected. And we are so psyched because, Barnaby, our first fire is coming up this weekend on Saturday. This Saturday night yeah. for the Volvo Ocean Race, and we've got a lot of interesting guests in town for that. We've got... have come around the world. Well, exactly. And, you know, last week we, we talked to, what, Brad Reed, mm-hmm. and who was the head of Sail Newport, and he was telling us about all the activities that were happening downtown. But I'm really very excited to talk to Robin Crawford, who is here. And, you know, hello, Robin. Hi. Hi, Bronwyn. Thanks for having me. Robin, what's your direct title? Executive Director of Corporate Affairs for the Volvo Group in North America. All right. The reason I ask that is because I learned something this year when you came to Waterfire and, you you know, and I learned more about the Volvo Ocean Race, but I was learning more that I think of Volvo and it was, you know, and I think of like the safe driving car. Mm -hmm. We had a Volvo growing up. My mom had one. I'm so glad to hear that. But (laughs) I didn't know the, the, I guess, the breadth of what Volvo does. What and the brand is. Yeah, and, and the brand. So could you tell us more? Yeah, actually the the Volvo Ocean Race is co-owned by two companies. One is Volvo Cars and one is the Volvo Group. And up until 1998, Volvo Cars was part of the Volvo Group. And in 98, we sold off the car division. So what's left is Volvo Group, which is a very big company. 75% of it is Volvo Trucks. Uh, we also own the Mack truck brand and the Renault truck brand and UD truck brand and uh, Aisher truck brand in India and 50% of Don Feng truck brand in China. So we are the largest heavy-duty truck manufacturer in the world. Uh, we also have construction equipment, yeah, yellow so iron. Constru- yeah, c- construction equipment, yes. And Penta, Volvo Penta engines, which are in many of the boats that you'll see in and, yep. around, Ro- in and around Rhode Island. So I never knew that. Did you know that, Barnaby? I did know that. Volvo actually is, uh, uh, you know, it's one of these um, very big manufacturing companies that's been f- for many decades. And the mm-hmm. uh, the American, I mean, we actually went to get a Volvo in Europe. And oh, that program that is fantastic. Program. We went all over Europe. You go to Gothenburg? Yes, we did. And we mm-hmm. picked up the car and drove it all over Europe and mm-hmm. then had it shipped back. It was a very clever program mm-hmm. because it introduced people to the car and also to the sort of a. The heritage, exactly. The The Swedishness, which yeah. is really important to the yeah. brand. Mm-hmm. And what I've been hearing is well, one. 
So the Volvo Ocean Race has been wildly successful. Oh, we uh, love it. I mean, that's all I'm hearing about, Barnaby, I, is that people are down in Newport, and mm-hmm. they're all excited. And, and this is the only North American stop of the entire race, and it came to Rhode Island, and it came to Newport, which we thank you, Robin. Yeah, but we're excited. But it's a great, great big story, and it's fun. Yeah, well, and I want to thank Newport and Rhode Island. It's just been amazing. I just, I, I hate to say it, but it's it's sort of like we're a big fish in a small pond because Rhode Island is a small state. You can literally brand the whole state yeah. Volvo yeah. Ocean yeah. Race, and right. that's just been, uh, it was a challenge we put to the community, what, a year and a half ago, and boy, right. did you guys rise to the challenge. It's fun to see us everywhere. And it's also because there's been a long association with racing in Rhode Island and, and the ocean. Sailing. And mm-hmm. sa- high-tech sailing and that high-tech connection between high-tech sailing and Volvo is a perfect marriage as well. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thing for you to talk about. I mean, um, the not only is it the truck market you do, but the whole precision heavy truck is a it's sort of extraordinary legacy. Well, it, the innovation and – but the other thing is Volvo, both cars and trucks, the Volvo Group, share the core values of quality, safety. Of course, Volvo equals safety for trucks as well. We – we did that together for a long time, and we still have to protect that brand and environmental care. And we were one of the first companies in the world to take on environmental care as a core value. It's And it, and it does relate back to that Swedishness. Mm-hmm. It's about water. It's about the air. It's about sustainability. And this really fits in well with all of that. So it's a great branding opportunity to tie into to our core values. And you lived in Sweden for I a few did, years, didn't I did. I did. I actually worked for Mack Trucks, and when Volvo purchased Mack in 2001, I had the opportunity to move to Gothenburg, where you picked up your car. Absolutely. Uh, so my daughter and I, for <laughs> two and a half years, fantastic, yeah. And it really does help you understand the brand then. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sweden is um, it's special. I mean, it's the environment, the love of nature, and that might bring us back to water fire. That's why when I... I learned that there was such a thing, which I wasn't familiar with. I thought, oh, the Swedes are just going to love this. It's nature, and it's, um, yeah, celebration of nature, I think, is really important. Yeah, it's, and the thing that uh, struck me about Sweden and the Volvo brand was about building things to last. Mm-hmm. So that's the hallmark of sustainability is, a, is good design practically thought of with a long life cycle. Yeah, Yeah. and on the truck side, I mean, we we virtually recycle. I mean, we totally revamp engines. Uh, Trucks go for a million miles. That's not unusual. Uh, some, there's a part of me that wishes they didn't so that people could replace them more often. <laughs> <laughs> but the quality is is definitely there, and that helps sustainability. That yeah. is the core of sustainability. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's real sustainability. I mean, that's that's this this cycle of having to replace something is very, very wasteful. Mm-hmm. And you certainly get a sense of that from all of Sweden and the design aesthetic from mm-hmm. the architecture to the landscape. Yeah, I'm also thinking about now the ocean race. So you, not only are you, you doing trucks and these larger trucks, but Volvo's doing boat engines? Penta. Yeah, yeah. Volvo Penta. Oh, very famous. Uh, it's, the, I think, one yeah. of the largest yeah. uh, marine engine uh, brands in the world. It's wow. a very so in, high in, reliability in engine. In the boating community, the boating they're community, very familiar. They are yeah. well-beloved. 
Well, and I think that that's important for other people to know who might not know, like myself. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I, I really had no idea. It's How one is of the our race companies. going? Oh, it's fantastic. I, I mean, I, I wasn't here when it first started. I know this past weekend I was told that the food services people had prepared for like 5,000 visitors and got 14,000 visitors. So I think that's a good problem to have. I think they Always. rose to the occasion. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and you've pro- I, I made Brad Reed and others promise to have good weather and I I will say they've been fantastic. Just hold on a little bit. Just a little bit of shade to keep it from getting too hot. Well, exactly. Uh, no worries. You know, because it's been really warm. Yeah. So, you know, you want to be on those boats. You want to bring people in. Mm-hmm. So, what is your favorite part about sponsoring and bringing this to Rhode Island? I, I just think, well, first of all, I my college roommate is from this area, so I used to come up all the time and to, to come back to Newport, this boutique, this fantastic boutique town, um, makes us a big fish in a small pond, as I said. In the past, our, our races have been, the North American Stopover has been in Boston, it's been in Miami twice, it's been in Baltimore, and you're just another event in Miami. We're not just another event here, so right. it, it really creates a sense of community, Absolutely. which has been fantastic. I mean, you go into stores and people are like, have you been to the ocean race? It's just, it, that's yeah. the best part, but far and away. And that's one of the things that I think is very special about Rhode Island is we really get involved in do things. We have an appreciation for excellence. There's a whole marine tradition here that's, uh, you know, boundless. I hope you've had a chance to go over to see the museum, the Harishoff Museum. No, not yet, but you I'll should. add it. Yeah, the Harishoff Museum has many of the original uh, America's Cup yachts from, uh, I'm trying to remember from how far back, but the, they've got many uh, the drawings for all of them, but they've actually got a lot of them there, and that was this handcrafted, truly excellence in boat design, very much part of the Swedish tradition of yeah, design right. excellence. Well, and all that's important, too, because it can't be so small an area that you don't have things for our customers to do. Exactly. So we're flying in from around North America, actually, hundreds of customers and prospective customers, and most of them are staying in Providence, actually. Exactly. And there's just so much to do. In Newport, yes, but also in Providence, which yeah, brought us back to Waterfire. You know, it is a commute to Newport, so we wanted to make sure that the majority of our guests got to physically do something in Providence as well. And you offered us this great opportunity. It's it's just going to be perfect. Well, you know, I know that we're going to have to take a break, and it's awesome talking to you, Robin. And when we come back, Robin Crawford from Volvo is going to be speaking to us. Again, she's the director or executive director of corporate affairs for Volvo Trucks and North American Division. They're doing the Volvo Ocean Race. If you haven't heard about it, then I'm not really sure which rock you've been staying under, but you you got to get up. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the water fire that they're sponsoring on Saturday, which is kicking off our season. Very exciting. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. If you're just joining us now, we've been having the most incredible chat because, well, one, if you don't know, we're kicking off our season uh, this weekend because of the Volvo Ocean Race. And we have the privilege of uh, having Robin Crawford, who is the Executive Director of Corporate Affairs for Volvo Group North America Division, who is sponsoring this water fire and helping us kick off the season in this beautiful weather. Thanks, Robin. Did, did you order that? I did. 
I did. Good I, job. I, I'm yeah, it's, it's worked out well so far. <laughs> I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. But I, it'll be fine. You know, we've we've oh, seen some forecasts. There'll be sprinkles in the morning yes. on Saturday. And I'm going to tell you something. No, that's beautiful. Sprinkles oh. in the morning means a clear nighttime. Okay. And and I think that right, Barnaby. Mm-hmm. And that always makes for a beautiful evening. Um, but we were just talking about the Volvo Ocean Race. What a wild success. And that the Volvo brand is much bigger than a lot of us have always thought of, uh, or I'll say myself, thinking of it just as cars, but there's trucks and there's boat engines. Construction and equipment, construction absolutely, all e- those things. Yeah, I mean, much more than I, than I ever knew. So, Robin, thank mm. you for introducing me to that. Yeah, thank, thank you. And we've got some big products displayed because we kind of wanted to subtly inform people that we're not just trucks, I mean, we're not just cars, and... We're the non-car company. It's a great company. It's great to share the brand with them, and, and you know you couldn't have a better association. But we're a lot more than the cars. Yeah, and you and you share the same brand values, mm-hmm. which again, as you spoke of earlier, safety, quality, and, and environmental and care. It's we really take it very very seriously. These are religious to us, environmental care in particular. And that's awesome. And so I've got to ask you, um, because when you came to me, and it was last year that I met you, and you said, we want to do a water fire. We're doing the Volvo Ocean Race, which is in Newport. And now for most people in Rhode Island who are listening to this, we know that you need to pack a lunch if you're going from North Smithfield or Providence to Newport. And some people need to pack an overnight bag <laughs> um, because that's just <laughs> our mentality. Mm-hmm. But... You came and you were like, we need to do a water fire. Why? Well, really, Newport is a a boutique town. And we were bringing more than 1,000 hotel nights, or or more than 1,000 people. People, yeah, for many hotel nights. So that's time five nights or three nights or whatever. So there wasn't enough space for us in Newport. So we knew pretty early, very early on, that our customers, most of our customers would actually have to stay in Providence. They're not, we have 10 of these stopovers around the world, and they're not used to that kind of distance between the, the race village and where they're staying. And so we really wanted to make it a whole experience. So, yeah, you got to go back and forth from Newport, but there's some wonderful things to do in Providence as well. And it doesn't all have to be about sailing. And then I heard of Waterfire. I'd never heard of it before. And then I saw your. YouTube videos, and, and I thought this is just perfect. We have to be out in Newport that day, so you don't want to bring people to Providence and bus them out to Newport again for something at night. So instead, we're busing the Newport people into Providence, keeping the Providence people here, and and we'll do water fire. And I just know they're gonna love it. And just a really relaxed night before everybody heads out of town, basically. Yeah, so, it'll uh, be good. And yeah. and th- and they leave the race leaves Sunday at two, yes, right? Yes, they depart. Mm-hmm. And the and the next stop is Portugal. Lisbon. Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Lisbon, Lisbon okay. Portugal. Yeah. Okay. And there's yeah. still, I think we have like 45 percent of the points left to be earned by mm-hmm. the sailors by the okay. boats. But the after they cross the Atlantic, it's all very short hops right. compared to what they've been through so far. Yeah, this uh, and you know it's a great honor to be the only American stop. That's fantastic that you're coming to Newport. So we think you made a great decision, and I think you will find from the reception you've had and will continue to have, you've, there are great things in Providence. We're looking forward to showing Waterfire. But one of the things that I love about Volvo Trucks is this uh, commitment to precision and um, excellent craftsmanship and control. 
And for all those people who don't know this famous ad, there's the very famous Volvo truck ad. There are a series of them. Mm -hmm. But the one that really took off was the one starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, the Belgian martial artist, um, doing – I won't describe it, but you have to Google it. In fact, we will put it on our website. He's an if you go to the waterfire.org forward slash now, uh, we will have it up in a you – know, um, <laughs> they didn't know this was coming, so it's not up there now, but it will be up there <laughs> shortly. Um, and there is a – an amazing testimony to the precision of Volvo trucks and your engineering, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's. it's sh- I don't want to describe it because it, you have to visually see it. But uh, in honor of that, we will have you lighting water fire to the Enya soundtrack, the song that she okay, sings. Okay, but I don't have that. to do what Jean Claude does. Um, to well, like, could that we would be better. Oh, Come that. on, I mean, Robin, that flexible. would be better. That would be good. If you that could. would. I, there that are a lot of people who would pay to see that. That's for sure. Maybe a big raise, huh? It's, yeah, it better be. But that was fun. Uh, I, um, you know that were you you weren't at the shoot. Uh, no, that was no, in Spain or something. But we've had a couple like that. Oh, that you've were, done a couple. Uh, we had to reserve the road, shut them down, um, to to really build the brand. I mean, we're a business to business company, right. unlike exactly. the car companies, the business to consumer. So they're branding, they're doing TV all the time. That's not really where our audience is. Right. We can do TV commercials around the world, but you're not going to get people to buy. But still, every once in a while, it's just this nice reminder of, of the, the technology. Absolutely. Um, the, our products are highly engineered. And so we're every once in a while, we want to brag about that and build the brand. And those were things that resonated. I, I, it's, a, it's one of the most commented on and most successful branding exercises that I've remembered. It was just, it's so focused and so impressive and so cleanly done in terms of its aesthetic and the combination of the music and the unexpectedness of having Jean-Claude Van Damme, this uh, over-the-top martial artist. Over-the-top is one way to put it. There are others in the series, mm-hmm. and they're, they're all quite good. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so we we were so if we put a last minute request for Jean Claude to come this Saturday, yeah, he, I'll he, get he, on you want to work on it? Okay, yeah, let's, sure. But yeah. let's talk about well, let's talk about Saturday. I mean, we we're going to have a torch procession, right? Mm-hmm. I, I know there's a very large reception in the Alex Anani Skating Center. Yeah, we'll have between five and six hundred people uh, at the Alex Anani Center, and yeah, really excited. And then I think that uh, uh, what we're going to be doing is um, walking across and lighting the fires. We're lighting and fire. we're, uh, again, to uh, the Enya song. The Enya song, absolutely. All right, everybody Which better. Which sounds like it'll set the stage nicely for what I understand Water Fire to be, too. Yeah. It's just, uh, we're looking forward to a nice, peaceful, relaxing, beautiful evening. It's always peaceful and relaxing. And Robin, um, congratulations to you and bringing the Volvo Ocean Race to Rhode Island. And thank Rhode you. Island. Yeah. Well, and thank you for bringing um, a water fire and kicking off our season. Great. We really are very Can't appreciative. Wait. And uh, it's been wonderful talking to you. And we wish you the best of luck. And, well, gosh, we'll see you on Saturday, right? Yes, ma'am. Are you lighting the fire? I, I will help. You're going to hold a torch, (laughs) right? You're going to carry a torch. I might not give it back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you've been listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. Thank you so much. And we're going to be back in a little while with somebody else who has something to do with boats at Waterfire. His name's Marcello, and 
those are the gondolas that you see on the river. So. And there is not a penta engine in the gondola, I believe. But no, we, but we could maybe I think that would be called Marcello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Marcello is the engine. We'll be right back. Thank you so much again, Robin, for right, joining thank us. Thank you. And hello, 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 and welcome back to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business, and where we talk about things that have to do with Waterfire, but not only Waterfire, but all of those beautiful things that happen in Rhode Island, and we were lucky enough just to be speaking to Robin Crawford, who uh, is part of Volvo and the Volvo Ocean Race, which is happening, and who's sponsoring our first fire on Saturday. Uh, it's a partial fire, so it's not a full lighting. But I thought, you know, what a transition would it be to go from these big boats going all around the world to one of our favorite partners at Waterfire, which is La Gondola, R.I., and my friend Marcello, who is here. Um, And if anyone doesn't know, actually, I think everybody knows if they're from Rhode Island, who you are. But those beautiful gondolas that we see on the uh, the rivers and the singing that happens. Uh, Marcello, you're the man behind the business, right? That's right. Thanks, Bronwyn. It's great to be here. And not only behind the business, you're actually doing all the work, too. Uh, yes, indeed. A little bit less now, perhaps, uh, than before. But we've got a great group of gondoliers that take a little bit of the pressure off me now. All right, so I've got to ask you, can you give me a little bit of, I mean, we know that gondolas happen in Europe, and when they came to Rhode Island and the rivers, mm-hmm. uh, one, what inspired you to be part of that and well, to start it? I actually tell a story of blind luck and divine intervention. Okay. I was on the crew team in college and was looking for a summer job the summer after my junior year, and went to the first temp agency on my list looking for warehouse work, what I had done the previous year. Mm -hmm. And she didn't have anything well-paying enough for me to go back to school, but I happened to mention crew. And she said, "Uh, crew means rowing, right? I said, yeah. So she said, "Uh, well, I was at a job fair at Providence College a couple weeks back, and there was a company looking for gondoliers. I said, sign me up. Well, because it it is a different way of doing things. One, can you describe the length of the boats? And and they are. They're they're beautifully crafted. They really are. And um, so the boats are 36 feet long. They're about five feet wide. Uh, Two are a little bit more narrow than that. One is a little bit wider than that. But what actually makes them, I think, most interesting in their design and engineering is that they are actually asymmetric, which is something different from almost the entire world over as boats, uh, in that they are asymmetric in two ways. First, uh, the starboard side is more straight, the port side is more curved, but also it is built to list slightly to starboard as well to compensate for the gondolier's weight always being on port side. And, and, when you and the oar being on one side. Exactly. It's, it's actually torqued. I mean, it's amazing. when you look down end to end, you think... That's weird. They kind of twisted it, but that's very deliberate, and yep. it's, it has to be done just right. Yeah. It's all designed so that one person can row off of one side with one oar most effectively. And actually, those changes are relatively recent in Venetian history, too. Uh, they rowed for almost a thousand years before somebody came up with the idea to try making an asymmetric boat. Really? Yep. 
And so yeah, what is it off. like trying to navigate the, the waterways in Providence? Because y- you're actually putting the, wa- the ore down, right, in, into the sand. And is that, or is it not going into the sand? No, a lot of people uh, think that we push off the bottom. Uh, it's the British who punt. Uh, all Italian boats are, well, all Venetian boats are rowed. Um, so it's actually far better for us to have a little more water uh, and not be able to touch the bottom because hitting the bottom will actually pop the ore out of the ore lock and the well. gondolier loses control uh, that way. Oh, so you understand our issue yes, with exa- sometimes the low tides. Absolutely. That's <laughs> why we had you at the tea party. Yep, exactly, <laughs> which was yeah, a great uh, tea party. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, a grand tea party, and we mentioned it at the last show, which was not so much that uh, we can't do water fire, but that it's very hard for boats to operate through the river park we've made to celebrate the river at the heart of Providence. Absolutely. And uh, we're banding together to bring attention to that because it would be great to have more boats going up there. And if you own a boat, particularly a boat with a propeller, you've got to be very aware of the bottom. But you equally, with your oar, are right. I mean, constrained on where you can go. We only draw about 8 or 10 inches of water, and that's with six people on board. But enable. In order to row effectively, we need two or three feet. Exactly. We stay out of Waterplace Park almost completely except on water fire nights now. Because, because it's of the too shallow. Of the water. Yep, oh, exactly. I didn't realize that. So even mm-hmm. at high tide, you tend to avoid it because it's it's just... Right. Um, not just because of uh, the depth of the water issues, but also since so many buildings have gone up around there, we've ended up with... Uh, wind problems since oh, really? uh, okay, all right. You know, it's changed yeah. the way the air flows through the city. So places that weren't a problem before have now become problematic. And when you don't have enough water to row effectively anyway, trying to row through wind that is more than uh, yeah, because then you need deep water to get the, the exactly the bite of the ore. Okay. And, and, and so trying to navigate like as a gondolier. What is that almost weight-wise? Like I, to me, I, I imagine it almost like looking as pushing up weights somewhere, and it, like a 200-pound. It really out. is. It's like doing, uh, you know, a thousand push-ups in a yeah. day. You know, uh, rowing, rowing for an evening or something like that. Yeah, well, wow. that, I mean, that's a that's a lot, and I know because I met a beautiful woman um, that is on your team now. Uh, Serafina. Serafina, absolutely. And she, yeah, because there aren't a lot of women gondoliers. There are very few, absolutely. There's only one licensed in uh, Venice, and she was relatively recent addition. Mm -hmm. And And you know her. I do indeed. You've met her. She's the daughter of the man who started the uh, gondola lineage in Providence, who trained my old boss. Yep, Yep. Dante. And now, so when you audition people, because I, I, you know, we're talking about the boats. But you also sing. A little bit, yeah. What do you mean a little bit? You, well, uh, you, you sing a lot. What I, the most important thing is that they be able to row effectively. Yes. And then singing is a requirement, but I tell the guys, you don't have to be Pavarotti. Uh, you don't have to be able, you just have to be willing. So when you, all right, so if somebody, even if it's so on water fire nights, it would be hard, I would think, to sing because you've got all the music coming over you. Right. We but, almost never get to sing on fire nights. But you're always there on the river on other nights when, you know, you can do things. Can you give me just three bars or four bars of what someone might hear if they were to be on your gondola? All right, well, I'll tell you what. I've got a friend whose birthday it is today, and he taught me the first song that I learned for the gondola. Oh, and great. the song is called Il Mio Bel Foco, means My Beautiful Fire. So I figured it would be a good song. Oh, for that's a perfect song. Fire. 
You might so. want to back up from the microphone a little bit. Well, not very loud. So. Okay. All right. Heal your bafoco. O lontano vicino. Che ser possio senza cangiar mai sempre. So a little shout out to that's Rico. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. And that's, so that's what someone might hear yep. when they go out on the gondola. Yep. And so what what else are you doing on the gondola site? Do you provide food? Or? Well, the, uh, yep, on every trip we provide ice bucket glasses and opener. You can bring along whatever you'd like for beverages, uh, wine, prosecco, something harder or softer. We serve complimentary handmade Italian wine biscuits. They're handmade right, right down in Warwick by one of our accordion players. She has a little Italian deli. And mm-hmm. from there, the trip really is tailored to the people that we have on board. You know, a couple from Riverside celebrating their 15th anniversary on Friday night is interested in a very different trip than, you know, a family of four from Iowa who are taking a trip on a Wednesday afternoon. You know, yeah. so, you know, sometimes we spend the entire time talking about the history of the city or other things to do or, you know, highlights to hit, restaurants to try, things like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are completely silent and all that we do is sing a couple songs under the bridges. So it's really the experience that you want is what we try and provide. Well, I mean, and, then, I, and then the experience on the gondola during water fire, it's from our perspective on shore, it's just magical to see these shiny black vessels pass through the dark water with all the reflections. But on the boat, because I've been on it, it's an, an amazing. It's just this floating sort of world. It really so, is just yeah. incredible. I mean, water fire is... For us, not only the five senses, but it's like there's a sixth sense that gets keyed on a night where there's so many things happening around yeah. you uh, that's just extra special. I think that's just amazing. And yeah. you've been such a wonderful partner to us. And we're going to have to take a break right now. We've been talking to Marcello from La Gondola RI. So if you've ever been at Waterfire and wondering how you might get onto those boats... You might want to come back after the break because you're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island AM 790, your station for talk and business. And we'll give you some information on how you can actually do that on a Waterfire night and even on a not Waterfire night because you might hear that beautiful voice that we well, just Well, that'll heard. be on our Waterfire, on our Waterfire website, waterfire.org forward slash now. We'll have the contact information. Actually, you're always on our website. And I, I believe we are. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So we'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. Um, I want to do a big shout out because this program is underwritten by National Grid, uh, our, our wonderful sponsors and our great friends. We've had a wonderful time with them. They're doing charging stations at all the water fires so that if you go down there with your phone, you can stick in, you know, and those bars are going down. You're trying to call your friend. You stick it in the charger and you're good to go if you want to take photos. Anyway. 
I need to really go quickly here um, because we were talking to Marcello, who is our friend from La Gondola RI. Um, so those gondolas that you see on the water. And if you were with us before, you heard his beautiful voice. Um, but Marcello, can you just give us like in a quick summary, Waterfire Nights aren't the only nights that you're working. You're available when? How do people reach you? And what do you think about Waterfire? Sure. Uh, we are available seven days a week. Uh, we operate, uh, earliest reservation we'll take is 10 a.m., latest reservation is 10 p.m., and we'll roll later on water fire nights. But uh, best to make a reservation for sure, you could go to gondolari.com. You can also find us on the Waterfire website, waterfire.org, and uh, hopefully we'll get to, to see everybody soon. And when it comes to what I think of Waterfire, uh, first, to me, the greatest legacy of Waterfire is seeing week in and week out 50,000 people who are just out there having a great time. I have, in 17 seasons of rowing, I've never heard of any fights breaking out and never seen anybody pushed into the water or anything like that. It is just that many people all together just having a wonderful time together. And I think that that is, to me, Waterfire's greatest legacy. You know, that's why I work there. <laughs> That's yeah. why I've been there for 10 years. Yep. I, I really agree with that. And you, you had said something. If everyone would just chip in a dollar yeah. that comes down. So water fire yeah. is the best and worst advertising for us because all those people see us on a fire night and they, 98% of them think that we're not going to be there the next day or that we weren't there the day before. And yeah. the fact is we have been out there every day for 19 seasons now. And I imagine it's the same thing for water fire. You know, I've been saying for years on the boats, if... Those 50 or 60,000 people who went to Waterfire, if every person could just give a buck or two into those collection baskets, my job there'd would be, be a water so fire much every weekend. Easier. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we may we could, wear out the volunteers. And, and but. we could offer so many more things, and there's so much exciting mm-hmm. things we'd love to do, but you know, it requires figuring out how to cover the costs. Well, I want to thank you for being on with us because you are one of our most favorite partners and always available and always there and... I just love your voice. So I need to get, like, I actually, I have to work on water fire night, so I need to come to you on an off-water fire night with my husband and get on one of your gondolas That's and listen right. to you sing. It's been a while. But now, Barnaby, I believe you've got a friend on the phone. We, d- we do have an institution on the phone, which we're delighted to welcome to Rhode Island, and that is the Mobile Museum of American Artifacts, and we have the uh, director, the founder, and the chief collector, Laura Lynn Kraus, uh, excuse me, Laura Lynn Cruz, who's on the phone. Uh, Laura Lynn, are you here? I am. Hello. Well, welcome to Rhode Island. You've been here for a few days as part of a project that's coming out of the uh, John Nicholas Brown Center for Public Humanities at Brown University. And this is the Mobile Museum of American Artifacts. And uh, I think it's, it's a fascinating art project of a mobile museum, which is about the found object that is provided from the community. So, Lorlin, tell us a little more about the reason why you founded this, and uh, later we'll go on to where they, people can find it in Rhode Island this weekend. Yeah, so uh, the Mobile Museum of American Artifacts is a traveling museum of people's personal, everyday artifacts and their stories, and um, or as I like to say, a cabinet of curiosities of everyday life. And basically I founded it as a way of exploring um, sort of our intimate relationships with objects and questions I have about 
collecting and curation and who decides what goes into a museum and what stories get told and, um, you know, what stories we believe are worth telling or worth preserving. And this is a, a, a mobile museum, and everyone in Rhode Island is invited to submit an artifact to join the permanent collection as you travel around the United States. And um, I, I guess they bring those to you as the director and the curator uh, on site and take a look at the exhibition and tell us the significance of the artifact that they're donating. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we uh, record the uh, interview with the person as they tell us about the artifact and they fill out a, a form with all of the information and then that information goes into the uh, wall text that's eventually displayed with the artifact as it travels around the country. And let's tell people, well, you've been here since uh, Monday. You've had uh, uh, several mobile sites. Today you're at the Olneyville Library at Olneyville Square until 530 and it's a, a very recognizable sort of Airstream trailer that says MMOAA on it for Mobile Museum of American Artifacts. But tomorrow, Thursday, from 2 to 6, you're at Knight Memorial Library at 275 Elmwood Ave. And Friday, you're going to be at AS220's uh, main office in front of the restaurant at 115 Empire Street. And then at Waterfire from 6.30 to 10.30 p.m., you will be right by Waterplace Basin in front of the GTEC building. And I believe admission is always free. Correct? Yep, that's right. And you're welcome to see the exhibition. You're welcome to bring something to the exhibition. And you're also welcome to come talk to Laura Lynn about the philosophy behind the project and uh, the idea of what makes an object important and why we collect things and the power of stories to tell us more about American culture. Yep. Thank you so much. So, Laurelyn, is there anything specific that you ask people to bring down to um, the mobile museum? or You know, we are trying to collect every artifact everywhere from everyone. So mm -hmm. the, uh, the main criteria is that the artifact must have a story behind it. Oh, so cool. oftentimes, you know, people come and step inside of the museum and then it sort of just clicks and they get it. And I've had people run home right away and bring something to donate that they think will fit into the collection. That's fun. You know, so, for example, we might look at a particular hat at a regular museum because a certain governor wore it, you know, 175 years ago. But, Laura, mm -hmm. Lynn, I think your point is that what makes the object of value is the story, and it's important to broaden the storytelling public as we look at what our uh, institutional memory and institutional history is to include everyone's voices and all these cultures that might not be included in the museum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also just about um, the fact that that person or these people who have contributed to the Mobile Museum in the past decided out of anything in their lives or in their pockets at the moment, this is what they would like to pass along and this is what they would like to see travel on with the Mobile Museum and share with other people. Exactly, and give it as a gift to the nation, really. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to, Laura Lynn, thank you so much, one, for being at Waterfire on Saturday, for two, for what you're doing, because what, what a great mission and what a great job. And I would like to thank Marcello, who is here, uh, from La Gondola RI, and Robin Crawford from Volvo, uh, and... What a wonderful weekend we are looking, yeah, looking forward to, to right, the beginning Barnaby? of the season, and Thanks we'll have more information about all of our guests on 
waterfire.org forward slash now and waterfire.org forward slash radio, I believe. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's actually radio is where the stories are. So you've been listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And thank you so much again to National Grid for being our underwriting sponsor. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Enjoy the weather. <laughs>